failing. Like if you're experimental, you are going to fail. And we have an education system. We have a society that is getting there with entrepreneurship, talking more about failures. But realistically, we're not encouraging people to fail or to make mistakes. And it's the same. And artists like science, like to get to be a good creative, um, you have probably made tons of mistakes before that. This is just, it's the only way to get there, right? It's your experience of, of being more and more creative. Um, now, the issue of them not scoring highly is because a kid is not as self-aware of what a mistake or a failure looks like. And as you grow older, you get more and more scared of that failure. Um, but the sad thing is also that means you're less and less likely to actually go ahead with it. Um, so that I think it really is why it needs to be more taught at school, um, because you can't expect an adult um, to kind of to re-be creative if the adult is so petrified to make the wrong decision. That was Marine Tangai talking about how the right approach to dealing with your failures can help you find and embrace your creativity. As an advocate for artists from a young age, Marine directed her first art gallery when she was 21, then opened her first art gallery in Los Angeles at the age of 23. And finally, she created her own business, MT Art Agency, in 2015, breaking from the gallery model to promote the better artists she believed in across the globe. MT Art is the first agency promoting influential visual artists and specializing in talent management, building, growing, and accelerating the careers of upcoming artists. It is essentially what a recording label is to visual artists. Marine was recently named on Europe's 2018 Forbes 30 under 30 art and culture category. She is a thought leader, a writer, and a frequent speaker on contemporary art. Marine's talks include two TEDx talks on how to transform cities with art and how social media visuals affects our minds. We talk through some of those ideas and so much more in this conversation. I hope you like it. Thanks so much for joining me again, Marine. I really appreciate it. And I'm looking forward to um, talking through some really interesting topics with you. Yeah, same. Awesome. So I guess to start us off um, and to give a bit of context for everyone about the sort of work that you're doing now, um, why don't you talk us through what your work and what your career is at the moment? Yeah, so basically I'm the CEO and founder of an agency called MT Art Agency. Um, what that means is that we're the first artist agency for visual artists. Um, you know, you have agencies for um, Hollywood actors and you also have agencies for models or musicians. We've basically put the same kind of agency before visual artists. In practice and in reality, this means that we get 200 artists applying to us every month. We select the best one of our selection committee. And once someone signs with us, it's like signing with a label. Uh, you get finance, you get accelerated, uh, you get um, thrown contracts and projects at you. So it's basically building the credibility, the visibility, and the finance around someone that's talented. Yeah, definitely. No, and and to me, it was it sounded like something that um, you know when you when you mentioned that this is the first sort of agency for visual artists, um, it was a bit of a surprise to me because I thought that it seems like such a great and obvious idea that it, there had to be more out there um, as well. But that's great to hear what you're working on at the moment. Um, so we'll talk through, um, yeah, how you got to doing the amazing stuff you're doing at the moment and probably start at the very beginning. And, um, yeah, so whereabouts did you grow up, Maureen? 
So I come from a very small island called Ile de Ré, which is just off the west coast in France. You have 9,000 people a year, so it's pretty small, uh, way more birds than people per se. Um, and that's very much why as a kid, um, you know, when you come from a city, you can measure up or aspire because you see people doing things that are very different to you. But what I came from, um, you know, main jobs are hairdresser, teachers and all the, the main jobs, which are completely fine, but not what I wanted to do. So my books um, were my escape um, to basically imagine a new life and a new world that I could aspire to. And in, in these books that I was reading, there was a lot of mentions towards writers and artists and and that's kind of, because I was on my own trying to escape, that's kind of how I got hooked on um, anyone that was creative and could provide me with that escape. Yeah, for sure. I can definitely see, you know, how that experience and that environment would have shaped creative uh, expression and the ideas that you have at the moment. Um, so how did you go in terms of um, your early education? What was it like growing up in um, the schools that you did in your local areas and how you transitioned then into university? So uh, basically, I'm the, the daughter of a teacher, a primary teacher, which actually, I'm, I'm probably the author of the <laughs> worst uh, pupil that comes to place, but I was, my mother is still a primary teacher. Um, I was a kid that was pretty difficult, not because I wanted to be difficult, but because I was unable to listen to rules that I was being provided with. And I was not doing it to provoke you. I generally didn't have a brain that did really well with rules. But every time you gave me a white page or you enabled me to just uh, think from the start, I was really good. Um, so I would say it's like every person that's creative in that system, because our schools are still not encouraging a lot of creativity, um, what that what happens is that you have teachers, yeah. either loves you, either hates you, because you almost need uh, people to do a slightly different system for you. So like to give you an example, when I was 10, and I was asked to like relate facts about the French Revolution. Yeah. So we see um, French, this is the sort of thing that we'll be talking about. And I decided that facts were boring. So I wrote a novel about someone that had witnessed that event. Um, now, that, at that time, I had a really good teacher. So she realized that, you know, in a sense, that was quality. So she put it out, gave it to the other kids. But I could also have a teacher that will hate it because I haven't respected what I was being asked. So I really struggled from a young age with sticking to that little box I was being provided um, and I think that kind of c continues up to university because I'm also a double dropout student. So I'm really a cliche when it comes to education with, for an entrepreneur. But it was it's constantly the same. I was passionate about what I was studying. I was passionate about the subject and spending hours in it. But again, I felt there was too many, too much structure, too many rules around it. And specifically in the teaching of the art, it felt like a dead subject. And I guess. I was excited to be creative. I was excited to be artists. I was excited to understand how things were made. And actually, my course, it was mainly, uh, when I did History of Art in, in England, it was mainly on PowerPoint. And I never got to meet a single artist um, through those few years. So um, I felt a constant disappointment because I wanted my education to enhance my reality and, and to kind of get me that extra bit of knowledge to understand it better. And I struggled to connect reality with education. It felt constantly very um, structured, uh, abstract, divided. Um, and yeah, the, it, was, it was simply not a good system for me personally. But again, I think everyone who is a little bit creative yeah. um, 
will probably be struggling with this. I'm not saying you should design a system around people like me, but it is definitely a struggle that most creatives have. Yeah, for sure. It's actually very, like most of the the guests I've had um, before you have been um, entrepreneurs. I've had um, one artist as well. And it's very, it's a very common um, thing that I've gotten in terms of their experiences throughout um, high school and university is that there has been, um, yeah, very much uh, a similar experience to you where a lot of people who have ended up being entrepreneurs have found school to be somewhat disconnected to where their own skills and interests lie. Um, but what I've noticed with each of them is that the impact it had is is quite different. So a couple have mentioned that not having that environment um, that really allowed them to be the best version of, the, of themselves uh, was really degrading and something where they doubted their, their self-confidence and their abilities, whereas others have said that it just allowed them to sort of stay in their own bubble and foster the skills that they have individually and it didn't really phase them too much that they weren't seen as successful within the system. Um, how was the impact yeah, of that for you? Yeah, I was about to say, like, it's probably a mix of the two in general because... I think what basically what happens is that obviously you're a bit of an original, right? And coming yeah. from a small place for me, I was definitely a bit of an eccentric character for where I came from. And so you you get used to the fact that either people love you or dislike you. And I think actually it may be a good training as an entrepreneur because you rarely get a moderated feeling towards your personality because you you are very defined, right? Um, so I think that's probably a good training. I think... The other thing is that you need challenges, you need struggle um, to kind of bounce your ideas off. I would never wish for um, for people to have all the challenges and the struggles in the world. But however, struggles do build up and do shape your personality and your character and your resistance to that. Mm-hmm. So um, you need you need a bit of both. But I think you also need encouragement. But it's interesting because, like, and I, I always disclose this, but in my family it was exactly the same that what I was going through um at university what i had a violent dad that was pretty negative but i had a granny that was very supportive so in Mm -hmm. a sense um having got a i've always been used to having either someone that's incredibly excited about you or either someone that very much dislike what you stand for so it might be it might be a good thing because it is really what you will live through as an entrepreneur later. You will come across people that will dislike you for trying to innovate and you'll come across people that will embrace you for it. Yeah, definitely. And also I, I would assume um, right now I can tell as a student myself growing up, um, having a career or pursuing a career in art and in the humanities as well is very much looked up upon um, by a lot of people. Where there is still obviously certain um, people who who don't really see that as a good career. Um, how was it like for you trying to really navigate and push forward in into art? I think again, it's it's always cities versus um, smaller places. I think where I come from, uh, being studying science was definitely something that you did if you were smart. Mm. Um, I did do, again, being a strong personality, um, I was put in the smart bunch for mathematics and science. Um, So the teacher therefore said, this is what you're going to study because we had to choose when we were 15. um, We had to basically choose if we wanted more mathematics or more Mm. literature. Um, So I had to basically drop out my marks and in French's um, 
So you can have like 15 on 20. So that means it's, it's by numbers, your mark. So I dropped my marks by 70% success to about 5% success. So I would turn up to all my exams and do nothing on all my scientific and mathematics subjects just so I could go to the other module because um, I didn't want to study yeah. science. Obviously, my dad was absolutely horrified. Um, but there was nothing they could do because suddenly I was not a talented kid in science, so they couldn't they couldn't oblige me. But again, I found that's a shame. The two reasons I think it's a shame is one, I think I don't see them as one higher than the other. Two is actually now that I'm running a company, finance is very relevant. Mathematics are very creative in how you can kind of link the numbers and yeah. do the finance. And a lot of artists actually use science in their works. So I didn't understand how you can't just um, mix all that learning together. If that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And how did that do? You, how did um, that affect your confidence growing up? Uh, you know, as someone who'd gone from being seen as very intelligent, you know, getting that that seventy percent and going, then moving down to what you did. How did that affect you personally? I think it's. It... <laughs> I think my confidence was built up for being self-sustaining very early because basically I kept on taking decisions I wanted to take and then assuming consequences for them. Um, so that yeah. I think does kind of responsibilize you quite early and well. Um, so I was, you know, I was feeling I was independent and self-sustaining from a young age because I would have stuck to all my decisions. So that was good. Um I think the, you know, being a bit different, sadly, does make you wary of other people. And I was very insecure about being liked by other people and towards other mm. people. So I would find that um, I was much more at ease uh, behind my books or behind what I loved than in a social situation, social room. And that took me a lot longer. So I think yeah. people definitely, I was scared of bullying. I was scared of what people had to say. So I was scared of people, um, but I was confident in, in what I like doing. Um, so that's, that's a, it's a kind of the content versus the people. Yeah, definitely. And how did, how did you start to move your way? Were there any particular moments or any um, experiences really that led you to realize that, you know, moving into a, a career of art in particular um, was what you wanted to do and what you were really passionate about doing was it yeah something that was really early on or something you found out a bit later so I think I was definitely into creativity so I love reading I love music I love theater love dance love arts so I mm. knew I was the arts and humanities and love philosophy as well all of this was really working out for me um I I couldn't really move in a certain direction too early on because I wasn't aware of what jobs I could do because Let's not forget that um, all the content I was getting was from 19th century books. <laughs> so it was not very, like, career advice was pretty mm. limited. Um, but I would say that, you know, I wanted to move in that direction. I was dreaming to be in that direction. And th back to kind of being self-sustaining, every time I got told that I couldn't do something by 10 onwards, I succeeded to usually do it. Um, so therefore, I had that little stubborn confidence that if I wanted to do something, I may be able to get it and I might as well try. Um, so that's why um, I moved to London when I was 19. And then I applied for the BBC internship. And then again, I got told that, you know, you had to have a certain type of degree for that. And, and it was impossible. And I literally wrote a poem uh, to apply. I refused to do a motivation letter because I thought that was boring. Mm. Um, 
And I think I got lucky. I think sometimes, you know, people see someone a bit different. And although I was probably not that structured and not really put together, I think every time I got saved by people recognized that I wanted to do something. Um, so yeah, I got yeah. into BBC writing a poem, um, which obviously <laughs> I wouldn't advise to do to anyone at your age now, but, um, but that's the way I got in. Yeah, no, that's, that's really interesting. And, um, you know, having looked at the opportunities that were available to you, um, when you were coming out of your university time and entering your, um, the careers that you wanted to go into, uh, have you noticed uh, a big development in terms of the opportunities around careers in art, particularly at an entry level for young and up and coming artists? Obviously, your agency plays a, a really good role in that. Um, but yeah, what's the development of careers been like since you were looking for a career? Yeah, um, I think it's an incredibly exciting time for the industry. I was jokingly um, saying that a couple of days ago, but when I entered the industry, it was very elitist. Um, it still is, but a lot less, where everyone was privileged, coming from a lot of money, and was looking mm. incredibly conservative. And the jobs were very much galleries, auction houses. Yeah. Um, I think with the rise of entrepreneurs, you first of all had a lot of new jobs that were being created. But also, you know, I see more people of colors. I see a better gender ratio. I see people being happier with who they are and rocking up to meetings and their trainers. And it, it sounds silly, but it is... I feel that um, we definitely not role model for social, social diversity in our industry, but it is getting there yeah. where it's an industry that's now integrating loads of new profile, which I think before was simply not have been able to be included. So I'm excited for that new generation. I think um, that my industry is what fashion went through 10 years ago in terms of restructure. So it's going to change enormously. So it's a good time to get in because you can be part of that change. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's really positive as well, being able to look at it right now being uh, a pretty great opportunity to get into an industry that is very much transforming and transforming for the better. Um, but like for someone that's listening in and might be, um, you know, someone who isn't uh, very much or doesn't see themselves very much as a creative or as an artist, why is art so important in society and why have you uh, really devoted so much of your time and your career and your passions towards it? Um, so I guess, I guess the, the easiest way to answer it is that in the 15th century, um, you, most people w wouldn't read, but they would learn about religions through the, the artworks that you had in churches. Mm. What I'm trying to say is as a kid, you're actually more creative than you think, and you actually comprehend visuals better than you comprehend the rest. Because uh, it's actually something incredibly accessible. It's the issue is, again, we're not encouraging you to develop that skill. Um, but your first approach to the world is viewing things. Like if you look at babies, they are like literally absorbing the world through their eyes. Like, and you can see how fast they're absorbing it. So that's, that's the power of visuals. And now the, the link with why in my head, um, art is incredibly relevant. Yeah. It's because most of the visuals that you currently being fed, um, are adverts, um, as you kind of walk around the city or there are social media, like my favorite friend, Kim Kardashian, Justin Bieber, or Selena Gomez, right? Which are people who, it's a lifestyle. And you don't realize, but actually those visuals get into your brain and they get you to behave in a certain way. They get you to have certain needs, certain desires, certain insecurities. And art can help 
rebalancing this because the ideas that the artists will push through their art uh, will be about bigger ideas. And that's the ideas that will, in my head, make you feel more meaningful and make you feel more balanced than just pushing you to consume, pushing you uh, to be someone else. So that makes sense. Yeah, for sure. And I think it's, yeah, really important to note that there is a lot, um, there are a lot of those um, influencers and celebrities out there like Kim Kardashian, Justin Bieber, who have these massive followings on social media. Um, and we're so exposed to their, to their lifestyles. And um, as you mentioned, you know, un- unfortunately, we're so exposed to their lifestyles, we're not as exposed as ideally we should be to, to art. But what sort of impact is that having on the way we deal with look at ourselves um, and our self-confidence and our insecurities, um, what impact is that having and what sort of ways can we, should we go around dealing with it? So let's start with social media. Um, your young girl from 15 to 20 years old is spending on average five hours a day on Instagram. Um, mm. On those five hours, if she looks mainly at a lifestyle kind of sexualized and consumerism kind of type of profiles, uh, which is most of what you have on Instagram, um, her body consciousness and anxiety is like increasing like mad. So her mental health is dec- like it's not doing well. Um, mm. Was actually, you know, it's not just art, but looking at nature, National Geographic, looking at channels of people being creative or being inspiring is something uh, that can make you feel a lot better. Um, and that's not just me saying it for the sake of the agency, that there's a lot of research behind that. Like it's not good... Yeah. Um, you know, to look at people constantly and compare yourself that way is not a healthy thing to do. Um, in terms of um, urban spaces, I think it's the same. It's just, um, you know, if you get up in the morning and you go straight to the underground or the metro, however it's being called, um, and you get exposed to adverts, and then the more you walk on the streets, there's more and more adverts. Again, it's pushing you to be of a certain look to consume certain things so therefore having public sculptures having murals having different visual expressions um you know is is really important to kind of mm. balance uh, this aspiration that you get in so in my head is never removing uh, kim Kardashian or the adverts it's just making sure that you have a balanced visual diet um, and it's the same, like you wouldn't eat junk food every hour, um, or that's probably bad if you do, but yeah. normally you eat junk food mixed with healthy food. Well, that's the same. I'm not, you know, I also sometimes watch trash TV. That's fine, but just don't do it five hours a day because that's damaging. Um, just do it from time to time when you want to absolutely switch off. So uh, art is in my head and incorporating art is hopefully um, enabling that balance. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And I think, um, you know, finding that balance is obviously very important. And in terms of, you know, the fact that people currently spend a lot more time looking at that, you know, as you mentioned, trashy entertainment, as it very much, very much is. But um, I think that sort of entertainment is a lot more easy uh, and accessible to consume um, than a lot of art that's out there, or at least it's perceived to be um, very much so. So what does what needs to happen, I guess, in the art industry and in terms of artists um, and the work that they do to make their work accessible enough that people want to really consume it in accordance with their social media as well? So I think there's there's a few things here. Like the art industry will all, all, always have a level of luxury and that's because the works of art per se that you hang in your home are expensive because the higher the artist gets known in terms of name, 
um, the more that that's costly. That I think it's fine to live it as such. But the the artist that gets to inspire our kids, whether that's in museum, on the streets, on our social media, and all the ones that engages wider demographic, needs to have a more fair selection system. Needs to be it needs to have a method that's more analytical to why that person impacts. Is that because the content is very relevant to people? Is that because it's very thought-provoking? Is that because the technique is visually very inspiring in that sense? So that's something that we always work on. So like we have a selection process for the agency. It's not my grand taste. It is people that we generally think are bringing this forward-thinking subject in an amazingly visual way. Um, that's on the one hand, it's kind of separating style, luxury, and taste with what creates an impact. Um, In in terms of the artists, it's the same where my industry has trained them to make works of art for white walls. walls. And I think um, an artist should be a visual role model. So it should think of themselves and not just producing artworks for white walls, but actually inspiring people in all types of environments. So there needs to be a retraining for them to think of themselves beyond what they produce for white walls. Um, and, and I guess in terms of people, I think it's all these things happens, uh, in terms of change of behaviors as you build up familiarity. So like we put 72 photographs outside London Bridge station after a terrorist attack and the conversation that that visual narrative was on cultural integration, uh, by our artist, um, Jennifer Abisra. And, you know, people were walking up and down for like a few months surrounded by this visual narrative as part of their daily routine. So even if they don't stop for a long time, they're starting being familiarizing themselves with different types of visuals. So the job is to constantly integrate it into the everyday, integrate it into the routine, and showing the value over time, over their mental health, over the way they approach their life and their day, over the way they approach their environment. So that's it's definitely a long-term job, but this is the kind of results that we're starting yeah. getting. Yeah, for sure. And I, I know at least for myself personally, you know, if I'm walking through um, two different streets and one of them has got is very lively with, you know, street art and someone busking um, and, you know, there's, there's stuff going around that is creative and artistic. Uh, it is very uplifting and enlightening as well. It does bring something to your day that is um, very positive rather than walking through just an, an empty street um, and probably feeling the need to pull out your phone and look through your social media while you're walking down as well. Yeah, and I think being self-aware that um, you are consuming visuals, like it's like consuming food. Um, mm. So you need to be aware of what you're consuming, like, and actually not being passive about it, being more active. Like, you know, if you're looking at a visual that doesn't make you feel great over half an hour, just address it. So it is, it is, it is not a passive thing to do. It's an active response to your visual environment. Yeah. Definitely. And yeah, I think, you know, when we were talking earlier as well, Maureen, you mentioned about um, the importance of actually people being able to to look at things that lack um, complete context. And, you know, when we're not told exactly what something means to be able to feel comfortable in actually looking at that piece of art um, and drawing a narrative or a conclusion from it. And that's something that starts with education. Um, and I remember coming across a statistic recently um, I think it was NASA or, um, yeah, NASA that actually conducted it. And it said that when children between four and five scored, 98% of them scored at the level of being a creative genius. Um, whereas 
10 years later, only 12% of them um, were at that level of being a creative genius. And the same test was given to adults and only 2% of adults scored at that level. Um, and so yes, I think that, it, it, yeah. is, it is what we talked about for the next question as well on confidence, where mm. basically creativity is, is being experimental. And that goes back to failing. Like if you're experimental, you are going to fail. And mm. we have an education system. We have a society that is getting there with entrepreneurship, talking more about failures. But realistically, we're not encouraging people to fail or to make mistakes. Mm. And it's the same, and artists like science, like to get to be a good creative, um, you have probably made tons of mistakes before that. This is just, yeah. it's the only way to get there, right? It's your experience of, of being more and more creative. Um, now the issue of them not scoring highly is because a kid is not as self-aware of what a mistake or a failure looks like. And as you grow older, you get more and more scared of that failure. Um, but the sad thing is also that means you're less and less likely to actually go ahead with it. Um, so that I think it really is why it needs to be more taught at school um, because yeah. you can't expect an adult um, to kind of to re-be creative if the adult is so petrified to make the wrong decision. But being mm -hmm. creative, like, you know, um, where I'm standing, um, like literally my office, like all the colors match the flowers match like when I bake I'm creative like that's what creative means is like you constantly spend your life matching stuff together looking at composition looking at like colors and and just having fun with it and it's a fun part that's important as well so I think it's mm. everyone has that but again it's it's kind of having a safe space where they feel they can experiment and sometimes fail um in it and I don't think that's being encouraged so far yeah, absolutely. And look, I'm definitely someone, as I, I think um, very much similarly you do as well, believe that, you know, everyone has um, a capacity for creativity, um, but, you know, we're all obviously better at expressing it in different ways, whether it be through entre entrepreneurship, um, through visual art, poetry, um, like you did with the BBC. But obviously, you know, it's going to be different for everyone. And so what are there any sort of ways, Marine, that you've um, noticed working with upcoming artists that young people can do to sort of learn more about the creative capacity that they have and what sort of ways they're naturally good at expressing it? Well, I think there's definitely two things to say here. There's being creative and there's being um, artistically talented. So yeah. I'm creative, but I don't have an artistic talent. Yeah. Um, who, who we recruit are people who are incredibly talented. So what they're pushing forward is innovative in terms of how they make it, um, the way they think about it, and, and the vision is very powerful visually. Yeah. That I completely get, like, this won't happen to many people, which is why we only have 17 and we review 200 a month. Like, this is very, mm. very rare. So I wouldn't aspire to this as most people. Um, creativity in terms of encouraging it, I think it all depends, you know, what do you value the most? Where do you spend most time? So if you spend most time in your garden, just be creative of how your garden looks. If you spend a lot of time cooking for people, just you know, be more creative in what you cook. If you spend a lot of time in your own space, mm -hmm. again, like start working out, you know, how your space can be more creative and inspiring looking. With fashion, it's the same. Like fashion is fun to be creative with. Um, so I think it, it all depends, again, where where do you spend most time in? Yeah. And just in, start injecting a bit of creativity and start feeling confident 
in that creativity that you like. Um, and that's what I would encourage. But it's very different to working with artists because, again, I think being creative and yeah. being artistically talented is very separate. Yeah, definitely. I, and uh, I think a lot of people do fall into the trap of, yeah, com- looking at a creative and an artist as um, the same thing. And, you know, if someone realizes that they don't have artistic talent, they naturally feel like, um, particularly at a young age, they naturally feel like they don't have creativity. Um, but, yeah, I think what's been really effective for um, at least myself is approaching things. So I'm someone who doesn't have artistic talent, but I am pretty creative, um, is approaching things that we do and enjoy on a day-to-day life with an attitude of curiosity um, and just looking at questioning things that are out there, you know, being why is this there? What can be done differently? Um, and why does this exist? You know, it's a bit of a philosophical and curious thinking, um, but it does really allow you to explore your creativity a bit more. Yeah, that's, I completely agree with that. Well, I think being creative will imply a form of intellectual curiosity. I think it's also, you can be creative with words, you can be creative with music, mm. we can be creative with visuals, like you can be creative with so many things where, like I don't really like words very much to express how I feel. Um, it took me a lot longer to be able to say how I felt with words, mm. but with with visuals, I could or with dance, I could do it a lot faster. Mm. So I think it's it's always it's a it's a language, it's a form of expression. So you know, it, it is you expressing um, how you feel or how you stand in life, and then you're using that creativity to do so. Yeah, definitely. And I think hearing from you talk so so passionately about the subject and so. Um, you know, it's quite clear that you've got experience working with a lot of creatives and um, it does seem that you have found um, a really positive sense of fulfillment through your work. What does fulfillment mean to you? I think it's something that we all do aspire to have and we all want to have. Um, And so, yeah, what what does being fulfilled mean to you? So I'm always a bit scared because um, I have heard the question uh, do you have a purpose so many times mm. now that we're millennials that I'm always a bit petrified about this question? <laughs> I guess for me, the things that um, I need and are to know what I'm getting up on the morning for. Yeah. Uh, by the minute I had empty art, I never had to question this again. Mm. Um, and I love this because I felt, you know, I would I would have a, a real kind of desire to get up on the morning, but also... I, I felt I had a value suddenly. I, I kind of had a role to kind of fill. So that's something that, that helped me. Um, I guess the, the second thing is like, again, back to being self-centered. It sounds very silly, but actually giving to other people um, makes you feel really quite wonderful in a selfish way. Where now that I'm responsible for artists or team or uh, partners, and I constantly kind of can get people happy through what we do um i get an enormous sense of fulfillment i think i can't see how you can be incredibly fulfilled but just self-fulfilling and being self-centered constantly i don't think that's good um and that's kind of back to my comment on looking at self-centered content on social media is not very good for you yeah because in a sense you always feel better when you start making other people feel better um and that's the best way of being selfish about it um and then i think again it's having um, well, if you can, having something that you want to improve, um, how big or small that can be, that can just simply be, I want my mom to feel better, or I want my family to feel better. Yeah. And that could be something that you want to improve. Or it can be, if you're an entrepreneur, I guess for me, 
will be I want the industry to be more democratized and artists to be stronger role models. But whatever this is, a sense of progress and improvements is great because as you start getting there, there's so much joy on the way. There's a lot of hurdles, but there's a lot of joy because you can see that you're slowly making a tiny difference. But again, I would, not everything is job. And again, like recently, I've solved a conflict in my family and I will put this as highly fulfilling mm. um, as professional achievements. So I think it, it really does go around people and it does go around um, fulfillment, kind of making those people feel better. Yeah. Um, I started the company because I thought I had a good idea, uh, but actually the core of the company is now a lot of very inspiring people that I love. Um, and I think that's what makes me um, a happy person. It is people. We always People can sadly make you very hard, but also make you incredibly fulfilled depending on the side that you take. Yeah, yeah, I think that's really well. You articulated that really well there, um, and it, yeah, definitely. Um, you know, from a lot of people that I've spoken to on this podcast as well, it does seem that fulfillment for most people does come from a place where you are, um, you know, not just fulfilling yourself, but you're working towards progressing and creating happiness in other people as well, which is really great to hear. And I, I know as well that. Um, a lot of young people growing up now, when we're faced with a lot of issues on massive scales like poverty, um, discrimination, inequality, climate change as well, um, we all want to make an important impact and contribute to addressing these issues. But there are so many out there as well. So what role do you see art, especially visual art, having um, in terms of addressing these sort of issues? Um, so again, Again, it's, it's so easy to be in your bubble. And we've seen with recent politics, I guess, somehow and with Brexit and Trump, where we're all in bubbles, you know, we feel, oh, my God, of course, no one is racist because it's a terrible thing to be. But actually, um, we are in this kind of very privileged bubbles for it. Um, and so art is two things. It kind of brings the issues in front of you, but in a way that's still making you attracted to look at it. Um, it's not shock, you know, it's not like PR, it's not words that's aggressive. It's something that lets you in a lot better. Um, the second thing is empathy. Like, um, realistically, all these makers come from such a different place and experience of the world um, that your empathy is being developed. And again, kind of in a time where we use a lot of digital screens, which is known for removing partially the empathy, mm. I think that's that's a nice way to kind of regain it. Um, when it's in your environment as well. So it's a craft, it's someone that's made it, it's the empathy. And I think it's just refacing ideas. It's so easy, it's so easy to not see the issues around you. Like you can yeah. you can be blind around them. Uh, but I find that you can't really, it's in your environment and those visuals are discussing them. Yeah, for sure. And I, I definitely do see, um, you know, working towards integrating art within our, within our urban spaces as playing an important role towards, yeah, even, even raising awareness to issues that um, we sometimes didn't even realise or, or for, forget about um, and just reminding us to um, realise that those exist um, as well as, you know, playing an important role in humanising our experiences with each other. Um, so, yeah, abs- absolutely um, agree with you on that. Um, yeah, I think that's that's about sort of the time that we have here today, Marina, and I think we've had a really great discussion around a wide range of, of topics and it's been great to hear from someone like you who's got um, you know a wealth of experience and also some a wealth of clear passion particularly around art so yeah thank you so much for joining me. 
Well, my absolute pleasure. I hope it's of value. And then again, I hope it encourages people to come to our industry. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Okay. Well, thank you so much. Bye-bye. Hey guys, thank you so much for listening in. I do want to ask you to please leave a review for this podcast. Um, One, it really helps with being more visible on people's feeds and whatever podcasting apps they use so more people can benefit from the discussions we have. And also, let me know what you think, like whether the stuff that we talk about is actually helping you and if there's any other topics you want to hear about or any sort of people you want to hear from. Thanks for listening and hope you guys have a good week ahead.